Thank you for tuning in to Cognitively Speaking. This is the podcast dedicated to providing support and resources to caregivers that are providing care to persons with dementia, Parkinson's, or any cognitive impairment. My name is Lily Williams. I will be your host for this evening's podcast episode. I am the founder of Aging in Place Care Alliance. I am also a true caregiver that has provided care to persons with dementia for over 22 years. We're going to go for a journey. Let's go. Recently in the world of sports, I know I'm I'm talking about sports. I never talk about sports, but this particular story caught my attention. The quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, his first name is Toa. And please, in my attempt to pronounce his last name, please do not laugh. Tagavolia? Well, anyway, Mr. Tua, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, he received back-to-back head injuries. Um, And this young man is only 24 years of age. There are many images and video of this young man following uh, the game that he participated in on September 25th. He suffered a head injury during that game against the Buffalo Bills. And the images and videos show this quarterback stumbling and walking. Um, The media refers to it as wobbly. So this sort of led to speculation that in the moment he received that injury that he received brain trauma from the impact. So the article caught my eye and my attention and I'm talking about sports and I'm talking about this because of the concussion that he suffered or the trauma to the head, the impact and the trauma to the head that he received. If you've listened to previous podcasts and you've heard me kind of discuss my concussion and the head trauma that I received, the injury that I received to my head that left me with concussion and some side effects. And that's what piqued my curiosity. And that's what also led to me starting this podcast so that I can kind of record just to track if there's any decline in my speech or if the stuttering gets worse or if things get worse, you'll be my witness to what's going on. And so this podcast is sort of my testimony. It's my testimony to the world. And I'm tracking every single day. I'm grateful for every single day because I never would have known that something as simple as, it's not a simple thing, but the the active care that I was providing would lead to me suffering a concussion that could lead to lifelong cognitive impacts. So that's why this article is very interesting to me. So in this week's podcast, we're going to talk about trauma that has been impacted onto the brain. So brain injuries, that may lead to cognitive impairment, cognitive function after a concussion, and just talk about ways that it can affect a person. Like this young man is only 24. This, he has, if it's in God's plans, he has a lengthy life to live. So 
these back-to-back head injuries, how will they affect him later on in life? We're going to examine that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to research it. And I wish I could get a hold of a neurologist that could be at this week this week's episode, but I could not get someone to respond in time. So hopefully um, I'll get that person to respond later in the week and I'll still share that information from the expert, the neurologist about this this topic. Let's get started. The fallout behind this young man's head injury, as well as many other athletes, um, but this one in particular is causing a stir because, for one, it was broadcast and it was visually, uh, you're able to see that he really suffered a concussion on the field. It's causing a stir and I think that it should simply because he was assessed and or examined by a neurotrauma consultant. This neurotrauma consultant has since been fired. And now the NFL is under scrutiny for dropping the ball, so to speak, on this. As like I said, as well as many other occasions, they've dropped the ball. The NFL has been trying to decrease the role of on-field signs of a concussion. It's something that they don't want the world to see. These athletes suffer from concussions all the time, but they don't want you guys to see that. They don't want us to see that. They want um, the players to seem as if they're okay enough to go back and return to a game once they've been examined by the neurotrauma consultants that they have on staff. So if they seem cognitively sound enough on the field and in the locker room once they're examined, they will return into the game. And this to me is unacceptable. It's unacceptable because the same thing or very similar thing happened to me. So in my eyes, this player should not have been allowed to return. Um, It was very obvious that he suffered a concussion. And me, myself personally, during my recovery, I was warned to do everything possible to avoid getting a second concussion. So I was not allowed to work or do anything. I was pretty much bed rest or either coming to therapy and receiving my therapy. They didn't want me to drive. They didn't even want me living alone. I was also informed by my neural team of the second impact syndrome. The second impact syndrome, getting hit a second time when your brain is already swollen, swollen or you have trauma to the brain, it can, it can either kill you or it can leave you with a, just say, a, a really life-changing experience. The second concussion can kill you or it can really change your life. So I'm not really a big fan of football. I will watch it uh, if I have to. I am a baseball fan. I like basketball occasionally, but I really love baseball and softball. Those players are very, very smart when it comes to how the game affects the body and their contracts. 
on on receiving compensation. They're very smart. Um, their body takes less abuse. But that also is a league where head trauma can occur, but it's less likely. I did a little research on the NFL and it appears that the average NFL athlete has a career length of possibly three to four years and their age range or when the person or when a player reaches the age of 25 is typically when their career fizzles out. So they could typically retire at the age of 25. Some move on to other sport-related professions, but the remainder of those athletes that have suffered from traumatic brain injuries resulting from concussions, they have to go on living a changed life. A changed life because of the effects of the concussion that had irreversible symptoms. Also in my research, it appears that for the most part that the NFL and other professional sport leagues, honestly, they do not accept responsibility for their role in concussions that the players receive. So when I learned that information, I also learned about a lawsuit that about 5,000 retired NFL players filed against the NFL for $900 million in compensation for concussion-related injuries during their professional careers. The settlement also includes continuous examinations of the retired players for any potential brain impairment, counseling, and treatment. Personally, I feel as if that is not enough. It's unacceptable and accountability needs to be taken by the NFL. I also feel that prior to pursuing a career or a non-career in sports, the athletes and or professional players, they need to be thoroughly informed on the possible brain impairment or trauma that may occur as a result of the sport that they are choosing to play. If the player chooses to take the risk and play anyway, then the NFL and other leagues uh, such as boxing and there's numerous professional sports that head trauma can occur in. They need to get waivers in place and have the, the player sign them. I'm not saying that these waivers will relinquish all of the responsibility, but it can offer and include terms on how concussion-related injuries, counseling, and treatment will be handled should they occur. During my concussion treatment, I would go to treatment and therapy every other day. And once a week, I would receive a packet of research and data. And it would just include articles on all brain traumas. And one, I do remember one of the articles being on CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is, it occurs when there's a history of repetitive brain or head trauma. So my team of doctors and therapists, they would discuss with me symptoms that may not be seen right away when you receive a concussion, but they may be seen later on in life. So when I said that this podcast is my testimony to the world or to you guys, to other caregivers, 
It truly is. And it's also my way to document any signs or symptoms uh, that may occur in myself. If I can hear them or see them or just make make you guys aware of them or make myself aware of them throughout this podcast, like the way that I'm talking, uh, the way that I pronunciate, um, the way my, my brain thinks or judges and my memory. So this podcast is kind of tracking my progress with my concussion. Um, the symptoms that my doctors and therapists discussed that I might see later on down the road uh, would be symptoms such as brain degeneration, depression, impaired judgment, long-term and short-term memory loss, impulse control issues, and progressive dementia. And I won't discuss if I'm experiencing or if I see any of that currently. Just know that I have a, I have witness that I am experiencing some of these symptoms currently. And I never really went into detail about what exactly happened to me and how I received my concussion, but I'm willing to do so now just because of the relation to the topic. I worked as a caregiver providing care for a company and this company provides home care to young adults that are wards of the state that have autism and they have also behavior and traumatic issues of their own. So these kids will never go back to their loved ones or go home. They are wards of the state, like I said. I can't give details about the company. I can't I can't say names or anything. I can only give the details specific to what happened to me. And on this particular day that my concussion occurred, we were going on an outing. We were informed by a new manager that we had to take these children out on an outing. The young lady they put me in charge of, she's a one-on-one. So that means she needed one-on-one attention and direct care. And I was to solely focus on her. So I, we took her along with three other young ladies that also have autism, but they don't have the traumatic behavior issues that the young lady that I was in charge of had. So there was one other person there for those three. And then we had the driver that, cause the circus was a lengthy ways away. So we had to get the girls in the van and take them. So this particular young lady that I'm also in charge of on this day, she also have separation anxiety and social anxiety issues. She does not like to be mixed around, mixed up or social around people or other kids or it'll just set off behaviors. And one of the things that she does when she's upset or she doesn't want to be social is she'll hit her head against the wall. She would pull her own hair out. She would pull her eyelashes out and she would bite herself. So we told the new manager of this information. I had been caring for this young lady, uh, so I knew what she does. I had been caring for her for a little over a year, working with her therapist, and the whole organization knew her background. But this manager said she has to go. We're going to take her to the circus, so that's what we did. 
we we get in the van and immediately we notice she started the headbutting on on the on the seat of the vehicle um so we're like maybe we should not take her we were told take her to the circus please we get to the circus she was rocking in the vehicle the whole time so the anxiety was working its way up and we get there we get the girls out of the van she willingly stepped down out of the van but once we got up to where we would get tickets she immediately plopped to the ground so she just fell to the ground so we got these bystanders people with little kids family members all just looking at us well families looking at us and so because they just see her fall abruptly so she she did it on her own so we're like no this is not gonna work we need to get her up and get her in the van so we left the other three girls with one of the other caregivers another caregiver helped me to try to escort the young lady back to the van so we had to pull her up underneath her arms and take her to the van meanwhile she's swinging at us both while we're trying to get her in the van so one of us tries our best to grab the hands the other young lady grabbed her hands while I unlock the vehicle and we get in the vehicle so since I was under she was under my direct care I'm in the vehicle with her. I can only crack one window a little bit. I had to make sure she didn't get access to the the locks to try to escape out of the van. Meanwhile, the other young lady went back to get the other young lady to let her know that possibly we need to go or to make a call to the center to let them know that they need to send enough staff so that she could they could someone could drive me back with her. So, um, meanwhile, I'm in the van getting beat up pretty bad and people, bystanders are looking. I don't know if they could see the van rocking or they could hear. Um, this young lady was a deaf mute. So the only way that I can communicate with her was through sign and I cannot sign language while I'm being attacked while she was attacking me. This this whole month, we had changes in how we restrain our kids. I have been trained to take down a grown man physically uh, if I have to with just two fingers. I was not allowed to use any physical restraints on this young lady because of an incident that had occurred a month earlier that resulted in a young man's life being taken that lived in a group home that was physically restrained by staff. The forcefulness of the restraint killed the young man. So we're not, meanwhile, while the state is making changes and regulations, we're not able to use any restraints on this young lady. So that's what kind of allowed her to get one up on me or get the best of me. Um, I couldn't restrain her. I was hit in the eye while I was trying to get the window just to crack just a tidbit because it's a hot summer day. I'm in there sweating while she's beating me up. She's sweating. She's kicking me. She's biting me. As I'm trying to do that, roll the window down, I get hit in my left eye. My cell phone flew out of my pocket all the way to the back of this big, big caravan. Passenger van is what it was. Um... And so 
when she hit me in my left eye, I saw nothing in my left eye. I, I saw like stars. I don't know. I can't explain it, but everything was black and it was like stars. And while she's, while that happened, she uh, bit me. She bit me to puncture through my skin. So I, I'm getting bitten and I'm getting, then all of a sudden she headbutted me. She hit me with her head so hard. I did not pass out. I stumbled into a seat um, and that's where I was. And she just came in and lit in on me and I couldn't do anything. Uh, But I did have enough strength to try to push her away. But by then, when she hit, when she headbutted me, I, I, like I said, I was motionless for a minute. I could not do anything. I couldn't, I didn't even know where I was. I couldn't do anything. So by then, um, I, I kind of like came to, and then the other staff members were knocking on the door to try to, for me to unlock it and let them in. So I was able to muster up enough strength to do that. I let them in and they visibly see the damage, my eye, they see that I'm bitten. And so they hurry and drive back to the center, um, the manager advised them to bring me to the center, not take me to emergency. And when I got there, I barely could walk into the center and was informed by this new manager that I could not leave until a replacement came for me. Mind you, I'm in so much pain. I can't even barely think. I couldn't even fill out an incident report because I was incoherent. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Physically, I couldn't do it. So when the replacement came, I had to drive myself to emergency room for treatment. And I can't discuss the emergency room that I went to. I can't discuss what the doctor said. I can't discuss any of that for many, many reasons. And I will say that as a result of me not getting care right away, when the incident, when the concussion occurred, I would not have the symptoms that I'm having to this day. And I fear that I will have the prolonged symptoms that the doctors are saying may occur in later in my life. I think that I'm starting to see them now. And it just makes me makes me wonder how the NFL I know the NFL is all about big money and it's not just the NFL, it's the major major leagues, different sports. It's not even major leagues. It's it's high school, it's college sports. How do these people sleep at night knowing that this is occurring? This is happening. And and everybody seems to be okay with it. People want to partake in 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 blood and gore and and they want to they want these sports events to occur regardless of how it may impact a person the players i just uh i do remember muhammad ali and if you know muhammad ali is a muslim american uh boxer he was a muslim american boxer he has later on he has since then passed on but prior to passing Mr. Ali suffered with Parkinson's disease. 
And I do remember him giving a an interview when he was coherent enough or able to still give interviews. He gave an interview discussing his Parkinson's disease. And he said that Allah gave me Parkinson's syndrome to show me that I'm not the greatest that he is. Allah gave me this illness to remind me that I'm number I'm not number 1. He is. And when I, I I heard that a while ago, but now that I've done my research on on the NFL and Mr. Tua, him recently having his concussion, I can only pray that Mr. Tua have and I'm not going to say a speedy recovery. I'm going to hope that he has a successful recovery from his concussion because my in my case my recovery has not been so successful and just I'm just one of many people that have suffered from a concussion Mr. Tua is only 24 years young that's a long life to live and to have to be worried about progressive dementia or brain degeneration occurring and he could only be probably in his 30s or 40s that's still young but to have those kind of symptoms occur to you because of a concussion because of a sport that he chose to play yes I do understand that but only if he knew and only if Mr. Ali knew that his God or Allah did not give him Parkinson's disease, I don't feel, to teach him anything. It's a result of the numerous head traumas and brain injuries that he received throughout his boxing career. My 15 minutes are up and I I just hope that caregivers, and I know we as caregivers, I shared a story of my personal experience with a concussion, but I've also cared for young individuals with concussions. And it saddens me because many of them are young athletes that get these head trauma concussion injuries and they're left in pretty bad shape. And I just wish that the NFL and other major leagues and high school teams, uh, athletics departments, in college athletic departments. I just wish they could see it from my perspective. I don't want them to experience a concussion personally because it's nothing to it's it's nothing to play around with. And I don't want that to happen to anyone that they're related to or any loved one. But they need to consider the aftermath of concussions and the seriousness that it that may result later on in life. Again, I'll see you guys next week. I'll talk to you next week. Same apps, same time. Have a wonderful evening.